Man, Jimmy Butler keeps a Cinderella postseason run alive. Lonnie walked so the Lakers could go on a run. And Mike The Rock Malone said, What's that fan's name again? It doesn't matter what his name is. I'm Rosa Panta. This is the Clinic All NBA Podcast. I have the two hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? <laughs> oh, man. The Tobias tears. Sammy, how you living, my friend? Well, it's been a while since my team's been in the second round of the playoffs, so I, I'm stress-free, I guess. Oh, man. Yeah, we don't have any Clippers news, unfortunately, but maybe something will pop up. Let's talk about why JJ was crying earlier. We have to talk about the Lakers, who rally past the Warriors on Game 4. They take a 3-1 series lead to a really unlikely hero. And it wasn't AD. It wasn't LeBron James. It wasn't even Austin Reeves or Rui Hachimura from the from the um, the series before. It was actually Lonnie Walker the fourth. And Sammy, as you're watching this game, can you tell me what you're thinking? Like, wow, Lonnie Walker's in there hitting some buckets. What were you thinking? What was going through your mind? Oh, combination of things. Um, one, how in the hell is Lonnie Walker carrying the Lakers to the win of all people in this game? Because that was just like two games ago, he wasn't even in the rotation. Yeah. And now he's just draining buckets left and right. So respect him on that. On the other front, I think this is what the Lakers formula has kind of been the last few months where these role players will step in and have these big games, whether it's been Austin Reeves, Jared Vanderbilt. Um, I mean, Russell's not quite a role player, but along those lines and the stage has gotten bigger, but these guys are still taking turns and you got to give them respect for that. And on the other end, I know we talked about this earlier in the year on the Warriors front. There's just been inconsistent production from the bench all year, and that kind of hit him again here. I mean, I know I'll let JJ get into the subject that is Jordan Poole, but he literally didn't score in this game, and clearly <laughs> oh, he played 10 minutes. So clearly he's in the doghouse, which yeah. speaks volumes not only for this year, but we'll see what it means next year as well. Um, but I think that was the story, and it felt like by the end of the fourth, Steph was trying to carry this team by himself, and he took some questionable shots to end it as a result. So that's what seemed to decide this from my estimation. What, what did you guys think? Oh, man. I don't, I don't even know who to blame because I blame everybody and everyone <laughs> as a Warrior friend. But first, uh, I got to give props to the Lakers. I'm a basketball fan, and the Lakers live by the Warriors' old mantra which is strength in numbers. And Sammy, you perfectly broke it down. They got production from their bench. And the Warriors, oh my goodness. They need help. And what it comes down to, and I was thinking about this, I was reflecting about this. The bench is a huge portion about winning, but you need your prime dudes to come in when it's time during prime time. Draymond, minus 27. Clay, nine points, three for nine. And stupidest, 
craziest, dumbest shot, fading to the left on the wing with 14 seconds left on the shot clock. Down one by one. Yeah. Wiggins, he did the bare minimum. Circumstances, as we said before, with what he's been through, 17 points. But, geez, man. And then you go, you have Steve Kerr, like these crazy rotations where you have Steph on fire, you're up by 12, and then you're gonna sub in Jordan Poole, who in the very first play with his hands loses the ball, and that 12 point lead goes back to five. Steph has to come back out and play. You could rest when you're out of the playoffs. I know he's all about rest, but what's going on, man? And then at the fourth, you're going to play Moody the whole fourth quarter when GP2 was one of your only players in the positive or plus minus who started the game, who was seven for nine. You yeah. said, Kerr, you've said over and over again that Moody wasn't ready. You haven't played him. You haven't even played Kaminga, but yet you're going to play Jordan Poole, who in 10 minutes was 0 for 4, 2 turnovers. You could have argued that we scored the same as Jordan Poole last night. <laughs> <laughs> Had a better plus minus too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Man, you, you, you hit on a bunch oh, of points God. here. I want to come back to the Jordan Poole thing a little later. The GP2 thing, I completely agree with you. I felt like he should have been in the fourth because, I mean, Lonnie Walker is cooking here. And what better person to stop a shifty guard than our shifty defender in in GP2? I'm going to give Lonnie Walker his flowers, though. Like, he yes. did a great job. It's a great basketball story, all that stuff. But before I'm a basketball fan, I'm a Warrior fan. So, John, Absolutely. like, Lonnie Walker could suck a dolphin. For all, I, for all I care. <laughs> Man, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe Lonnie Walker out of all these players and, was and the dude that put us away in the fourth. Let Go me ahead, let me come in here really quick, Sergeant, but I don't want any Steph slander. These idiots yeah. out there saying like, oh, Steph Curran got Steph got cooked. Soft switches by Clay and Wiggins. Fight through your effing screen, guys. Yeah, you, you got your boy Steph playing offense. He had to carry your broke asses because you couldn't play last night. And he was playing defense on LeBron. On and an he was island. playing defense on LeBron yeah. because of those soft switches. Like, what the hell are you guys doing? And Dude, over because I'm about to. <laughs> <laughs> well, and let's be real too. The, the version of the Warriors offense that is the poetry in motion, that motion offense that has done so well is not the version where Steph is taking 30 shots. No, it's it's better ball distribution than that. And I'm let me make this clear. Right. I'm not blaming Steph. I'm saying that everyone else let him down so much oh, yeah. that he had to try to carry them on his back. And I mean, he was incredible. Even if the the 12 for 30 doesn't reflect it, he was distributing the ball so well. He had hell. I mean, he had 10 rebounds himself. Like you got to give Steph his credit, man. And like you said, Clay just. I guess it wasn't game six. I don't, I don't know what, what went on with Clay yesterday, but he's got to yeah. come strong in game five. I mean, they're a heavy favorite in game five, but something needs to change. I think you're also right. GP2 needs more minutes at this point. And he, I don't, do you guys also think they're going to stick with this lineup? Because Looney only played 11, I noticed. 
Yeah, so. I think I think the advanced analytics are basically saying that the Warriors need to stay small, and that's yeah. the way that they beat um, the Lakers most of the time is when they're playing small. Because if Looney's in there, like AD can do his all defensive thing and just roam mm-hmm. the middle and just totally break it on the inside. But if he's got to step out, um, I think it makes it a lot harder for the Lakers to, to clamp down. But I, I want to talk about something real quick. I want to talk about like just watching Steph Curry and LeBron James over the years going after each other. It's crazy how things have switched where LeBron James used to do everything on his own. He'd have to like, you know, score 40 points, have triple doubles, do everything on his own. But now he has a team where you could get productive minutes from anybody, really. And that was Steph's case back in the day in 2015, 2016, where it was strength in numbers. You could get production randomly from like an Andre Iguodala, from like a Sean Livingston, from a Barbosa. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting that Steph now has to do the carrying for his team. So we'll see what happens in this 3-1 series. Um, we have to talk about Jordan Poole because this man's taking a lot of heat and he definitely felt it in the post-conference or the post-game. I don't know if you guys heard about this, but basically they were asking him questions like, hey, Jordan, like, how do you get your shot back? Yada, yada, yada. Like, how do you shoot yourself out of this slump, etc." And he said a lot of like the basic stuff, but he, he ended it with, also, it could just be opportunities that I'm getting. Hell no. And he's, I'm sure he's alluding to like the, what, the 10 minutes that he played in this game. Sammy, I'm going to ask the impartial person first. What do you think about Jordan Poole's kind of response post game? Like, what, what, what do you think of this? <laughs> well, there's, uh, there's a couple ways to look at this. Obviously, uh, everyone's bashing him, and in some ways, many ways, rightfully so. Uh, clearly, he's going through just a massive slump at the worst time. I will slightly in his defense only say this. He's still a 23-year-old kid. He's not going to react well to feeling attacked, and clearly he's not happy with his minutes, but at the same time, I think if he was more mature now, which he will be in time, because I know I wasn't when I was 23, I think he would understand that there's a reason he only played 10 minutes in this game. And fundamentally, that needs to be acknowledged, and that's basketball IQ, that's de- that's defense. Those are things where right now this version of him is not contributing to them winning in this series. He had a decent game one, if I recall, and pretty much fell off the map after that. Either game one or game two, forgive me. It's game one. one, game game one. Yeah, yeah, he was decent until he shot that 45-footer. Uh, to try and tie it. So, <laughs> so I think that's what it is. And there's more. There's a. It, it speaks to a rotation issue that you also mentioned about Steph not having help, which is the young guys they've drafted. We've had a few years now, and it just looks like they didn't develop as hope. But Poole is at the forefront of it because obviously he got that contract. So, very curious to hear your guys' thoughts as the partial fans will say, to say the least. <laughs> Yeah, Jordan, Jordan Poole is the chosen one out of the young ones. Got that big contract. JJ, what, what did you think? Well, Sammy had the best transition, which is he got that, that contract. The Warriors see Jordan Poole as the liaison between the older generation and the younger generation. 
The Warriors for years have been trying to find someone that could play very similar to Steph. Shot selection, you have your dribble drive, you have most importantly the pick and roll aspect, which Jordan Poole can be good at. But Sammy hit the nail on the head again. You could have all the skill sets in the world, man. You could be the most talented player. But what does it come down to? IQ. Basketball IQ. Like, you're going to shoot a... Instead of a 23-foot shot to tie the game, you're going to shoot it five feet back. You're going to shoot when there's 20 seconds left on the shot clock. You're going to do a no-look pass in the middle of the key with AD and LeBron sucking up space. I mean, the list goes on, man. Like, I hate to say it, but every time this dude has the ball in his hands, it's either a stupid shot or he turns the ball over. And I know I'm being, I'm acting out of emotion right now. And I have emotional <laughs> damage. <laughs> no, Jay, Jay, I'm, I'm completely, I'm completely with you. I'm completely with you on this. Like Jordan Poole, I feel like the best version of Jordan Poole is the one that's running out around screens and he catches and he shoots because if he has too much time to dribble around, too many bad things just tend to happen. Like JJ said, it's either going to be a bad pull up or it's going to be a turnover. And that's why I never thought that Jordan Poole would be, you know, the chosen one or the next one after Steph. Just because, like, his maturity didn't seem right. Like JJ said, the IQ doesn't seem right. He doesn't affect games without scoring. I think that's the biggest thing. If your plus minus is good without having, like, a huge box score, that just means you've got a good IQ. You or you have amazing hunter. teammates. Um. Anyway, <laughs> big question here. We know that LeBron James came back 1-3 or 3-1 on the Warriors. Can the Warriors now do that? to the Lakers this year. And I'm going to start it off with the impartial one, Sammy. Well, let's look at the positives here. Say it. Oh my God. Say it. Two or three different shots go differently in total. Two total shots between game one and game four. And this could easily be the other way. There's still two games back in the Bay. So can they do it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it would be absolutely ludicrous to question whether a Steph Curry-led team could come back from 3-1. Are they going to be favored too? Of course not. But they are seven-point favorites for tomorrow's game. So at minimum, you got to think they'll win tomorrow. And all of a sudden, if you think about it, that's actually going to put the pressure back on the Lakers. And I know this is going to sound like a convoluted argument, but we talked about this when we previewed this series. The Lakers are not going to want to go to San Francisco or to the Bay for game seven. They're, they're going to want to close this in six. So they're going to get tight if if the Warriors take care of business tomorrow. I mean, so are they favored to do it? No, of course not. But do I think they can? Absolutely. It's just Kerr's got to figure out who off that bench is going to give him 2025 that he can trust. So you got to assume if he starts Peyton again, it's who's guys six and seven. And that, I'm very curious to see what that looks like because it looks like he hasn't figured it out yet. And so we'll we'll see where we go from there. JJ. No! <laughs> JJ's, in, JJ's in his warrior's feelings right now, man. It's just. Okay. I'll spare, I'll spare JJ. 
from predicting the future. I know he doesn't like doing it. I know he feels like it jinxes him. Man, don't play that Kiki soundbite too much, man. It just makes me think of Jordan Poole and that In My Feelings challenge. You know he's not him. If he's doing, if he's doing a In My Feelings challenge, man. Come on. Come on now. All right, we got to take this to the next topic here. So the Miami Heat take a commanding 3-1 series lead. They hold off the Knicks 109 to 101 for a big wow. game four win. Wow. Man, who would have thought that these eighth-seeded Heat, who barely, we were talking so much smack about them, just like stumbling through the play-in. And now it looks like, I don't know, they are a sneaky favorite in the East. What do you guys think of the Heat taking control here? Also, when we're talking about the Knicks here, what do you think went wrong in that game four loss? Wow. What went wrong is a pattern that we've seen with Coach Thibs, which is great juggernaut defensive team. But when it comes to offense, there is no flow. Yeah. In combination with what we talked about on the other pod with Coach Spo, Link uh, coming in with crucial, crucial rotations, playing the right bench members, and just developing a very solid defensive scheme. Seems like Thibs always gets figured out in the playoffs because he has the defense down, Sammy, but the offense, man. There's nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. Yeah, man, you're absolutely right. And on the opposite end of that, man, Spo just... Like, we talk about him as a top-tier coach, but I don't think we understand how good this man really is. Like, just take these playoffs as an example. The Bucks series, he finds a way to generate the offense they need. They put up 130, 122, 121, 119, 128 in those five games. Against the Bucks. Turnaround in this against the Bucks, and they know they have to keep pace with the offense. Butler's putting up 40 and 50 in some nights. They turn around against the Knicks, and all of a sudden the defense just turns it on. Like you said, that's partially uh, thanks to Tibbs, but that's another story. But they give up 101, 111, 86, and 101. They've gone the opposite end. And that speaks right. volumes to just how Spo knows how to adapt to opponents, put the right players in the right position to to make plays and make stops and understand which of his rotation players function best against which teams. Cause that's a quality a lot of coaches don't always have. And he has it man in, in spades. And clearly we know Tibbs is offensively challenged. Spo figured him out, man. And I would be, honestly, I, I think this is over tomorrow. I just, I don't see this getting solved. Like, so that being said, Spo's criminally underrated every year and and I'm guilty of what I'm about to say, too. Butler is underrated every regular season. And then the playoffs come around, and he just does it. Every playoffs. And I think we forget that sometimes. And if it never, if not now, then whenever are we truly going to give him that respect? That this is one of the best playoff players in the world every year. It's so funny that you say that, because I feel like for the past four years, whenever we're talking about people we think are going to make like a big run in the playoffs 
we always like had the heat as like an afterthought we're like ah, i guess i guess the heat i don't know what we're gonna get for them because just because like every single time they just seem to surprise us with really good postseason play and it is right. it definitely is coach spo just because i mean we did this yesterday or sorry the last pod but if you go through that starting five man it's insane how well is getting that starting five to play and if you're watching the games it just seems like the spacing is so nice for the heat you've got good shooters in like vincent and shrews and then you have people that can work in the mid-range with jimmy butler and then bam out of bio just catching lobs or doing stuff on the inside it just seems like the spacing just completely works out for the heat where they're able to dissect this defensive juggernaut that is supposed to be the new york knicks and i don't know if if Thibs is going to be able to figure out i have this pretty much being done next game game five jj do you have the same yeah man i mean it's like what i said spo is a genius the one thing that i would give uh the knicks is that they're young and maybe there's a chance that they could use their athleticism against i would say not as an athletic team but this is a perfect example of how chemistry over exceeds talent because i don't i mean like what we've been saying man before the postseason even started did any of us have the heat going to the conference finals especially what we've been viewing what we've been did anyone have the heat getting out of round one i didn't have getting out of the play-in even the play-in yeah. exactly man yeah. so yeah props 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 yeah, man. props for sure yeah man absolutely crazy we'll have to see what happens for game five let's talk about the celtics and the sixers the sixers man Embiid scores 33 in this win over the celtics oh. in the garden and i don't know about you guys but I really thought Boston was going to come out swinging and it was the other way around where that that crowd was so quiet in the fourth. Like, what, apart from all the booing, booing their own team and then That's exiting serious. the building. Did you guys also think this was going to go the other way around where Boston was going to come with this big swing for game five? Yeah, I mean, Look at what we've seen, Sammy. Game one, you have him beat out, and then Harden had to go retro mode in order to win without any contributions from his co-stars. Game two, Embiid comes back, they get wax. Game three, you know, I think they get they got they got beat game three too, right, Philly? Yeah. Yeah. So game four. Celtics come back and it's just like, oh, they're 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 gonna come back home and they're gonna win this. Right? There's no way that they're gonna they're gonna lose at home. But lo and behold, the issues that we've covered before about the Celtics show up again at home. Poor execution, bad right. discipline, turnovers. Is there a reason? And I'm not trying to clown Tatum, but Brown is a better postseason player than Tatum. Yes. Is that a hot Amen. take or no? Do you guys agree? Nah, man, that's fact. That's truth. Just Tatum's too inconsistent. And he finished with 36 tonight, but he also, I believe, opened 0 for 7. And I want to say. Over 25 shots, I think. 
right? yeah, he opened 0 for 8 last game, I think. Um, there's a couple issues I see here. One, I had no idea what was going to happen in this game, to tell you the truth, because when two not great coaches go at it, you just don't know what the hell you're going to get. It, it's wildly entertaining. Um, so I'll say that to start. Uh, you are a hater. And, and with, with Boston... <laughs> Boston's played down to their competition all year, and like if you remember the end of the regular season, they blew a couple games against Houston. There, you just you don't know what you're gonna get out of this team. And JJ, you mentioned with Tatum, like honestly, I don't know what I'm getting from him game to game now. I know if you average out the numbers, they've been there, but they've had this really weird habit the last few games. Brown comes out firing, and then doesn't do anything in the second half of most of these games. Tonight he was a little better in the second half. Tatum comes out terrible and then picks it up in the second half. It's like those two guys can't get on the same page, which I guarantee you is going to fuel more speculation this offseason that Brown is going to walk. And that seems yeah. like it's going to be what happens, especially he made comments after the last game that he needed to demand the ball more because he wasn't getting enough shots up. On the other side... Tatum, right? Pretty, you got to think on some level that. And like Missoula, I'll, I'll, I respect that You know, he's first year, he's going to learn, but... At the same time, if you're going to give him the job, and I know it wasn't under ideal circumstances, your team with title expectations is going to be in the limelight. It's going to get critiqued. It's going to get commented on. And you got to make sure this guy is ready. And I know, like I said, it was not under like standard coach hiring circumstances, but still, it, this is what's going to happen. On the Sixers side, they had incredible balance in the first half. Four of the five starters got into double figures. Uh, right. All except PJ Tucker, who obviously his role is not to score on this team. And you know what? As bad as Harden was in Game Two and Three, man, I really figure feel like he's figured out where he fits the last three games. If that's on Doc, credit to him because Game One and Four, when he needed to score, he did it. Wow! This game, he only took eight shots, but he had ten assists. He distributed the ball really well, and he understood that Embiid and Maxi were scoring really well, and he deferred. So. As much as we kind of clown a little bit, respect him on this one. <laughs> I, dude, I feel like wow. that's the version of James Harden. <laughs> that's the version of Maxi, and that's the version of Joel Embiid. That's going to take them all the way to the top. Like Joel Embiid and Maxi, they need to be the the people carrying the heavy load with scoring. And Harden, dude, love you, Harden. Actually, I, I, I don't really love you, Harden, but this version that I love of Harden, where his distributing is not a scorer anymore. Like, you're not going to do that anymore. You're not the Rockets Harden anymore. So I like what I saw from the 76ers. It gives me a little bit of confidence that they could take the East. But, man, with this Celtics group, I am so majorly disappointed just because the way they finished last year, it was so ferocious. It really felt like almost a changing of the guards like here comes the celtics man i think this is the what because this could be the warriors last title because this celtics team was an absolute buzzsaw they just weren't ready for the moment last year but now they come this year and i feel like they're falling flat against these 76ers i think is they're really in trouble go ahead no i was just saying like do you guys think it's because of Embiid? is can should we give our flowers to Embiid? is he finally playing at an MVP level, not just in the regular season, but in the playoffs, because we've always said Embiid has never shown in the playoffs. If he beats the Celtics, are we giving him his flowers then? I think so. And there was a sequence in this game in the second quarter 
where I really feel like either he figured it out or Harden figured it out, where they just realized no one can guard him. And you know what they did? They put him down on the block and they did it over and over and over again. He got fouled three times in four possessions, just kept going back to the line. And it yeah. was right when the Sixers offense was stagnating a bit. And there was an understanding there that basketball IQ we talked about of they can't stop me unless they foul me. We're stagnant. I'm just going to go to the line until they do something about it, until they double me. And then after that, he started kicking open shooters and they went back up by 15. That's like the next level of understanding your game and your ability. So I 100% if they knock him out, I think he deserves it. He he's understanding his talent and his skill level and that ability on on another level of how he can pick up the pieces for his teammates when they need him to. Yeah, I think I think I will be giving Joel and Beatty's flowers if they defeat the Celtics here, just because, man, I, I really felt like the Celtics should win this series. Mm -hmm. um, but I will also say that I I don't skip the fact that Joel Embiid could have been in an NBA Finals if it wasn't for a Kawhi Leonard three that literally bounced on the rim, what, like four or five times before going in that sent him to the Finals. So I'm not going to ignore that one either. So I think Joel Embiid does deserve at least some post-credit um, credit. I'm Mike uh, Jackson, you Tito. But let's go with predictions here. I think I think the Sixers are going to finish this off next game. Sammy, what do you think? Just because of how wildly inconsistent this series has been, I think Boston <laughs> somehow wins game six, and then Philly wins game seven in Boston. <laughs> like it? JJ, where are you going? Um, I, I have a strong feeling, man, that the Celtics will... or Philly's going to close it out, but I don't trust... Harden and Embiid yet. I'm, I'm having trouble. Ooh, okay. Dare I say, Celtics in seven? I'm not confident in it, but oh, dang. I don't trust either team, dude. Yeah, I really don't As trust you either team. You know, you should not trust either team. Yeah. What's crazy is that all these scenarios are completely believable. We're gonna talk about our next topic here. We're gonna talk about man, the Suns and the Nuggets. The Suns just lost to the Nuggets, 118 to 102. But before this game started, we, we have to talk about what happened on game four. Game four, Nikola Jokic is going after a ball that went out of bounds. Get over here! He ends up running into a quote unquote fan who is holding the ball. He tries to rip the ball out of the hands of this fan. The ball goes flying back into the stands. Nikola Jokic is calling for the ball and as is calling for the ball he gives like one of those like chicken wing like elbows to the fan this fan flops throws his hands in the air as he's sitting down and there was rumors of maybe Nikola Jokic being suspended because of this rule about entering uh, where fans are and interacting with fans in that fashion he ends up getting fined for 25k and Surprise, surprise, that fan wasn't just any fan. It was actually the owner of the Suns, Ishba. Did you guys think that Nikola Jokic could have possibly been suspended here or should have been suspended for this altercation? No, because in part, he was, Ishbia was playing keep away with the ball. 
Mm -hmm. And based on tonight's son's rotation player's performance, maybe he thought he should have been out there shooting himself. Uh, <laughs> it was it was a little. I'm just being real, man. The, the shooting tonight was just god awful. Um, you could tell Ishbia was overdoing it a little bit, and they kind of reconciled it tonight. Like they messed around at the start of this game and made their piece, but unless he, like, actively went and pulled an R-Test and went all the way up, man, you can't suspend him for this game, this scenario, it's... And I'll, I'll give Ishbia credit, he at least went on Twitter and said he shouldn't be suspended himself, and after the owner says that, I don't think the NBA could turn around and say, no, we're gonna suspend him anyway and spoil the marquee game for the evening, so I don't think he should have been. Jay, what about you? If this was in Memphis, would Jaw tweet... He broke the code. <laughs> <laughs> I think he did anyway. <laughs> no, man. Um, I think Jokic with the elbow. I didn't think, of course, not, not get suspended because we want to see the best product on the, the floor, right? With justified reason. And you have this quote unquote fan like not giving up the ball. And I hate when fans feel like they want to be part of the game. They want to act cute. And it doesn't make it any better that the owner acts like that. Like, you're supposed to be a representation of the front of the office, of the Suns and the league. And when you're acting like that, it's it just it's a bad look, man. You look like you're one power tripping, two you're you're being a little punk. And I don't know. They're I'll just say that they're both wrong. But I'm gonna side more with Jokic because he's trying to get the ball. He's trying to move with pace. And they're trying to play. And why are you just holding the ball like a little punk? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I agree. And if you're like in the heat of the game, like Jokic is, it's in a playoff game, playoff atmosphere. Yeah. Someone, someone who isn't in the game is holding this ball. I'm going to go try to get it because I'm in playoff mode. I am trying to compete here. And then if you like hold the ball away and the ball goes flying, and then all of a sudden you're in my face and in my personal space, I might give you a little bit of an elbow too, an elbow check, yeah. not to hurt you, but to be like, hey, dude, like get out of my way. I'm trying to play a game here. So it's, I don't think Jokic should have been suspended either. Go ahead, Jay. What were you gonna say? I'm just gonna put something that's, uh, you know, relative to some of our listeners. Maybe it's like when you go to 24-hour fitness and you play pickup and the ball goes out of bounds and you ask for the ball back and then instead of passing you the ball, the the observer, the spectators on the side, they shoot it. For they shoot it. And it's just like, punk ass, <laughs> just give me the damn ball. <laughs> That's why your ass is waiting game. on the side. <laughs> we got next. No. <laughs> I, I completely agree. I also like Mike Malone's uh, response here when he was like, he was asked. Uh, he basically gave his opinion. He was defending Jokic. And then the reporter asked, do you think the fan being an owner of the Suns makes a difference. And Mike Malone says, I don't give a poop. I don't really care. I love that response. Yeah! It was just so candid. I don't give an S because honestly, he shouldn't. He absolutely shouldn't. Um, there is some trouble in paradise in the Valley with DeAndre Ayton. He's been showing signs of frustrations just with the lack of play, I guess. Chris Paul, also Devin Booker, KD in his ear, like talking to him, like trying to get him to play, I guess, more physical, 
there's a time where Devin Booker it's caught on um, on a video. He's basically telling DeAndre Ayton to stop playing soft. I just get in there, body somebody, and stop playing soft. And Kevin Durant responds like, it's simple. If you do that, it changes the game. And DeAndre Ayton is like staring out into space like Draymond Green, like on interviews sometimes, where he just looks severely disappointed or he just can't take that criticism. Or there's a scene where DeAndre Ayton tries to get dapped up by Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton just doesn't even put his hand up to like dap him up too. <laughs> Excuse me. What do you guys think about this whole DeAndre Ayton situation? Do you think this is going to eventually lead to a trade in the offseason? Should we be worried about the Suns the next coming games because of this? JJ, what do you think, man? Ooh, questions, questions, questions. I'll start with should should Suns fans be worried about Ayton? I would say so. Game 7 yep. last year against the Mavs was a perfect example when you have someone disengaged from the game and how it could directly impact the result. Especially for the Suns who don't have depth. Okay? You have this whole contract situation that Sammy, he should have been traded or got signed to the Pistons, right? Uh, Indiana. Come, yeah. Or Indiana. They come in, or when I say they, the Suns come in and they match the offer as a restricted free agent. So you could tell that he wanted to leave, especially after game seven. He didn't agree with what uh, Monty Williams did, which is sitting him out. He got sat out in the last game when Sammy brought that up on the pod. So it's just one thing that comes up to mind with Aiden and its attitude and discipline and maturity. I said one word, I said three now. So, but it's, it's all three of those things. And about my son's fan, it's just like, well, we did resign this fool. Is it time to trade him? I don't know if he's disengaged. I would say so. Sammy, is it time to trade him if they do lose the series? If you're playing a guy who this year is making $2 million in crunch time over him, yeah, I, I, I think it is. And so game six to me, just to give an early prediction here, I think will be the Sun season finale. So that being said, they'll have some time to think about this. Um, he doesn't want to be there. Like you said, that, that much has been made perfectly clear. And it seems like the two most highly paid sons don't want him there anyway, based on what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. So, here's the interesting thing. You look at the Suns' cap sheet next year, there are three guaranteed contracts. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton. If you move Ayton, the only other two guys that we know for sure will be on this roster next year are Katie and Booker. Nobody else. I think they move him for a less costly big and for some depth that this series has proven they have desperately needed. Mm. They have to add another scorer, someone off the bench. Yeah, I don't know if Chris Paul is going to be on this team next year. I, If I had to guess right now, honestly, I don't think he will be. Uh, this is a team that needs to retool, and not only is he not happy, he's still their biggest trade asset. I think the combination of both of those right. things is going to lead to him being out of there. So I honestly, at this point, if he's on the team next year, I would be shocked. I think it's 80-20 that he's gone, personally. I completely agree. I I really think Aiton, his time is definitely limited 
with the Suns. I don't know if it's coming in this coming off season or another one, but I like Aiton, like he just needs to be, I don't know, JJ used two words. I'm going to use three words. Um, hardworking, alpha male, jackhammer, <laughs> merciless, insatiable. That was an office joke if you guys didn't oh. get it. Anyway, we're going to go with the all defensive team. It just released here. The first team, Jaron Jackson, Brooke Lopez, Alex Caruso, Evan Mobley, Drew Holiday. Second team, Bam Adebayo, OG Adenobi, Dylan Brooks, Draymond Green, Derek White. Initial reaction, boys. Who are you guys completely surprised that made the squad here? Dylan, Dylan, and Dylan. <laughs> JJ, <laughs> JJ controlling the soundboard. Well, that not surprised, but I guess so in in some sort of fashion with Dylan Brooks, especially of all of his uh, his I would say marketing right now, which is not in a positive light. Mm-hmm. You know, he, right. he's been talking a lot, and you could argue that the way that he talks about himself and about the other players has caused him or cost him I should say a potential contract this summer you have the Shams report stating um, was it Shams or sorry yeah yeah it was was him it was Shams that uh, reported that there are no within any circumstance that they wouldn't sign uh, Dylan Brooks which is super embarrassing if you know you're Dylan Brooks and you hear that so is that crazy to think that someone that's on the all defensive team won't even be offered a contract for for a playoff contender like the Grizzlies that just shows that this dude's mouth is maybe costing him a lot man well that should also tell you that maybe he's not as good defensively as that second team vote says he is and a little bit of his reputation yep. uh, I like that thing personally I, I would much rather see Lou Dort in that spot Amen. but because yeah. Lou Dort is in a small market and does something very different than Dylan Brooks he doesn't have something to say every time he sees a microphone or a phone for that matter so people don't know who he is as much but Dylan Brooks, he's not a bad defender. I'm not saying that, but this is a big part of reputation because this is voted on by media. They do their best to obviously see all the games and make the judgment accordingly, but there's a reputation behind Brooks that put him on this team. But money is going to speak louder than him being awarded the spot, and he's not going to get much of it, which clearly says his defense isn't as good as the second team rating would lead to believe, in my opinion. But you told me if I'm overstating and it was just that his mouth is that bad. I completely agree. Um, the, the Dylan Brooks one surprised me. It also, like when I think about it, like a little more, I guess it sort of makes sense. The Grizzlies did end up being like the third team in defensive rating last year or this year, rather. Good point. So I guess they had to award somebody it. I'm just surprised that they decided to award Jaron Jackson Jr. I thought that would be enough, but also Dylan Brooks that felt, I don't know. It just feels wrong. It feels weird to me. 
Also, if you're gonna have two players from the same team, I guess... Like, does... I know Bam Adebayo's on here. The Heat, they finished like ninth in defensive rating, but should like Jimmy Butler be there as well? I don't know, man. Just Dylan Brooks seems really strange to me. Um, also having Brooke Lopez on this list in first team is completely wild. I know that he did a great job, a wonderful job this year, while Giannis Antetokounmpo did miss time. Um, he held that team afloat, but it just, that was just surprising to me to see him on first team this year. Do you guys agree with that? Or am I the only one that's like completely thrown off by a first team ballot? Uh, I would disagree with Brooke Lopez, respectfully. I think he deserves to be on that list. On that list? Okay. Yeah. I, I actually do too. I just, I think the in the opposite way, Brooke Lopez from 10 years ago and Brooke Lopez from now is such a different player, man. And I'll, I'll give him respect. He evolved. Like in the past, I would agree with you. I, I actually do think he earned that spot this year. All right. Point taken, Jordan, but go ahead. Jordan wants to put uh, Jordan Poole on that list. That's why. <laughs> Ah, all defense oh 19. Yes. The, the corpse on the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> anyway, that's all we have for tonight, boys. I want to thank you two for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Don't call it a comeback. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Sammy, thanks for being on. For pure entertainment as the impartial first-round knockout fan, I sincerely hope that we get to talk about previewing game six. No offense, John, but you're not here to defend yourself. <laughs> Shout out to John. Shout out to our video producer, RJ. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All-NBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter, at Clinic All-NBA. I'm Rosa Panta. This is The Clinic All-NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts. Dylan, Dylan, and Dylan. <laughs>